welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Box with your host and CEO of Babelbox, Sherry Langberg. Sherry interviews the world's biggest brands, agencies, and influencers to uncover their influencer marketing secrets to success. Go behind the scenes and learn how you can make influencer marketing part of your social media playbook. Subscribe to Beyond the Box at podcast.babelbox.com. Listen to all of your favorite episodes and follow us on Instagram for more influencer marketing inspiration. Chances are you're familiar with Fortnite, but unless you're a gamer or live with one, you may have never heard of Turtle Beach. As an entrepreneur, the story of Turtle Beach, which rebranded as a headphone company in 2005, fascinates me. It's a tale about iterative adapting and continuous improvement that led to success. Andrew Lillian, the Vice President of, President of Marketing at Turtle Beach, who I am fortunate to call a good friend, is here with us today to share the inspiring story. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, glad to spend some time with you today. Thank you. I understand. Congratulations are in order. Turtle Beach hit a record-breaking milestone this year, making it the global leader in gaming headsets. Tell us a little bit more about this achievement and what it's meant to you personally. Yeah, so 2018 was our best year of all time. Turtle Beach did over $300 million in global sales, which was fantastic. Um, we've actually been the leader in, in gaming audio now for seven consecutive years, which has been you know, fantastic. So um, you know, we have had over 45% market share for seven consecutive years, which is an incredible, incredible milestone. But certainly last year kind of blew all records out of proportion. Um, you know, the gaming industry was up about 70%. We were up 85%. Um, you know, there were a lot of companies in the industry that benefited from kind of riding the Fortnite wave. Um, but, you know, I think our, our team was just really well prepared to take advantage of the opportunity. Um, yeah, it was really rewarding because, you know, we've been putting the right strategies in place the last few years. And quite honestly, the video game industry has had a couple of uh, choppy years last few years. There were some stale games in the market, lack of consumer growth. Um, a lot of the games are very first-person shooter-oriented, uh, and Fortnite is kind of a little bit of the opposite. Fortnite kind of brought a whole new genre to the market, and with that, uh, created a lot more mainstream appeal. So you took an industry that was largely a little bit of a niche industry and, and made it a lot more mainstream. Uh, so for me personally, you know, I thought it was great. You know, a lot of people said last year, you know, was lucky we're in the right place at the right time. But, you know, I look at it as where opportunity and preparation really meet up together. Like we were fully prepared to take advantage of this opportunity last year. And, you know, all the strategies and the hard work we've been putting in for two or three years um, really paid off last year. That's really impressive. So let's talk about, you know, what was some of the preparation and strategies that propelled you into this number one spot? Sure. So, you know, a few years ago, um, a lot of the video game industry was, you know, you could do nothing the whole year. And then in the fourth quarter, you could spend a bunch of money. You could advertise. That's when particular, particularly when new game releases came out, the big franchises like Call of Duty or Battlefield or Halo. That's when they all kind of hit the market. And that was what our headsets were kind of known for. Um, but in the last couple of years, we've made a drastic shift uh, in our marketing strategy to leaning on a lot more influencers to kind of drive our brand and drive our message and using paid media much more in the conversion uh, uh, tactic. So, you know, we, we've spent the last couple of years uh, identifying um, small up and coming influencers that if you fast forward two to three years later to today, some of these guys are now household names and, and leaders in their space. And, you know, we've been working with them since their very beginning. So uh, that's really paid off for us. That's uh, always good to hear from my end. So forgive me for snooping, but I'm obsessed with people's inboxes. I'm just curious, like how many emails does someone at your level get a day or 
how do you sort through all the clutter versus the opportunities? Yeah, so on average, I'd say I probably get about 150 emails a day that I know about. In other words, what I see in my inbox, there's probably another 200 or stuff that are roaming around in my spam folder. It's tough. It's tough to really get through the clutter. Um, and, um, you know, most of the emails I get are probably from new digital vendors, everybody trying to sell you on higher conversions on your website, better SEO, you know, better affiliate programs. And, and most of those I'll either forward to our digital team or quite honestly, I'll delete because we're probably already working with the right vendors or those services. Um, there's also the lengthy list of new business opportunities, right? In-store merchandise companies, POP companies, packaging, printers, graphics, agencies, you know, those I only tend to read if there's a definitive need. Uh, but if I get something from a potential influencer, a potential, you know, kind of leader, celebrity, what have you, I may read a little bit more carefully uh, just to kind of keep up on, on current trends and where, you know, our industry is headed in terms of marketing strategies. Interesting. Have you ever responded to a cold pitch by an influencer? I have um, more just to kind of get some more information, right, um, on who they are. You know, um, it, it, it's rare that I'll respond to an influencer if it's just that person reaching out to me directly. You know, most of the folks today are pretty savvy and they have some sort of repre representation. Um, you know, obviously the bigger folks have full-fledged agents, you know, everybody from uh, CAA to Rock Nation to kind of big-time agencies. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it, it depends. If I'm looking for a specific need, you know, a low-level musical artist or a low-level athlete or something like that that I'm kind of trying to keep my eye on, it may pop my head. Or if I'm looking for someone in a specific region and someone reaches out to me uh, with a specific regional need. But it, it, it's a bit rare only because of the amount of um, emails I get per day. Um, and then knowing obviously what our budgets are and what our strategies are, we, you know, can only do so much in a, in a given year. No, totally makes sense. So I guess uh, I'm curious, you brought up, you know, all the different companies that write you, but f you know, from our perspective, I see influencer marketing, while it's come a long way, it's really still divided territory between PR agencies, ad agencies, networks. How does this get handled at Turtle Beach? Is it internal? Is it different people responsible for different things? It's a great question. So if you backtrack about three years ago, um, we were relying on our media agencies, right? And I think agencies started seeing the need for uh, to diversify and bring other programs to clients. So some of our agencies were bringing us programs where you could sign up with a bunch of influencers, 50 influencers, 100 influencers for like a Q4 campaign, and they wear your products on stream, they talk to your products. But we felt that it was really unsuccessful because the second your contract ended with them, um, they were wearing a competitor's headset or they just weren't authentic to your brand. So we kind of took all that in-house about two years ago and, and hired a whole internal partnerships team. And we 100% handled that all internally. Um, we feel that's, our, that's kind of our secret sauce. Um, we find that influencers respond a lot better to us if they're speaking to somebody from Turtle Beach, if they're catering to their needs. Um, you know, we've heard from a lot of influencers that are on our team that they left previous competitors because they were just, you know, one in, in, in a stable of many and they didn't get kind of the personal attention that they deserved. Um, and, you know, part of the large part of influencers is obviously monitoring what they say and, and having closer access to them. Uh, allows you to kind of control some of the messaging a little better and it's kind of one or two one step away from speaking to a person directly versus going to an agency and having it watered down um, and again authenticity is the absolute key and consumers can see right through that if you have someone talking about your brand or pushing your brand that's not completely vested in it um, you know you're going to lose uh, the influencers we tend to work with are all gamers like first and foremost if you're not a gamer 
you're just a musician or an athlete and you just want to wear our stuff, like we're not interested in working with you. Um, if you're a gamer and you're a gamer at heart and, and, you know, there's different levels of gamers, you could stream on your own. Uh, you know, we work with a couple of NBA players that are hardcore streamers, have their own podcast, go to various gaming tournaments, play in Fortnite programs. That's kind of a different level of extreme. Those are great. But we also work with gamers that might bring a PS4 with them on the road during NBA road trips and just game in their room at night. And like those are authentic gamers as well. Uh, so we've had a lot of success working with them as well. Very interesting. Um, I guess I'm curious, do you remember your first influencer campaign and what did it look like? Yeah, I do. It's funny. So when we first kind of got into this, um, we signed a organization called Optic Gaming. Optic Gaming is one of the largest gaming organizations in the world about four or five years ago, primarily in the Call of Duty space. Not only were they a professional esports team, but they had a whole network of influencers that had uh, crazy amounts of followers on social. We're talking about seven-figure-plus followers on Twitter. Wow. We're launching a brand, a brand new esports headset, a professional gaming headset. It had everything from memory foam ear cushions, uh, some microphone technology, the superhuman hearing, like all bells and whistles. And going into this early on, you wanted your influencers to basically, you know, read an ad for you, right? And you wanted your influencers to basically read off a script and you want to be able to control the messages and messaging. You kind of learned very early on that you can't do that, right? You, you, you can't force an influencer into an advertisement in the way that you run traditional paid media. They can't sit there and read off of script and go feature by feature. It's not authentic to them. It's not organic to their personality. So we were really nervous. Like we had this brand new headset and like we wanted to make sure they have to talk about the memory foam ear cushions. They have to talk about if you wear eyeglasses, you could tuck them under the ear cups and it doesn't pull down in your ear lobes. They have to talk about the microphone technology. And you know, you're giving an influence to run this campaign and they're like, well, we're not going to do that. Like, we're going we're gonna to make our own piece of content. We're going to talk about it in our personality. Um, and it turned out great, right? It was, it, was, it was a spot that got, I think, like 2 million views on, um, on, on between Twitter and YouTube. And it was a, a little bit of a comedic take on, on a headset, so it brought a little bit of a personality to it. But it really played off the personality of one of the members of the Optic Gaming content team. Um, and, it, and it worked out great, but I remember we were just so nervous because we were like, well, they got to say this, they got to say that. And, and that's the thing I think we learned early on with influencers that you can't 100% control the narrative. You have to let them breathe. You have to let them ingest their own personality. Uh, and that's what their audience wants to see anyway. No, it's great that you recognize that. We have a lot of brands. Um, unfortunately, some industries are regulated, so you know they have to have control over what the influencers do, but it certainly is about their creativity and their, and their voice and their stories. Very insightful. So um, I guess I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about Twitch because you keep talking about Twitch. I know, I know Twitch. We've done campaigns in Twitch um, at Babblebox, but you know, we're starting to see an increase in requests from brands um, and, you know, brands that you would never think of, food brands, trying to tap into Twitch as a promotional channel. I don't think our listeners know much about Twitch. Could you explain a little bit more about what it is, how it works, and why this channel has been so effective for Turtle Beach? Sure. So to take a step back, Twitch, I think, was started maybe uh, 10 years ago or so as a small company called, like, Justin TV, and it was a small way to kind of, you know, have low-level broadcasters broadcast their gameplay on the Internet. Fast forward to 2014, Amazon bought Twitch for $970 million. So, I mean, it's, it's a real deal. Twitch is so big right now that 
you could watch the Thursday night NFL game package on Twitch last season and this season. So every Thursday night, whatever wow. NFL game is being broadcasted on Fox or the NFL network, you could go to Twitch and watch it live. Um, so basically it's a live streaming service in the video game industry where anybody can go on for free. Uh, if you're going on for free, um, you're going to be served up various advertisements during people's stream. But there's also a subscription model where you pay $5 a month to basically add free content. And the ad free content um, is a, a, a more successful model, I think, for Twitch. So you look at advertisers and brands that want to kind of get into Twitch. It's not through traditional 30-second spots, right? Like we've done some of that in the past and gotten really poor results. The way that you're really successful with Twitch is uh, tying into talent that is on Twitch and, and integrating your brand or your product within their broadcast. And over time, um, you know, their listeners, the subscribers, um, that's how you kind of penetrate. I mean, right now, I think there's, I don't know, something like two and a half million monthly subscribers, uh, maybe even more that might be an old stat to kind of various channels. I mean, there's obviously non-subscribers as well. Um, so the numbers are, are, are massive. And, and, and after a stream has concluded on Twitch, like a streamer goes on there for two hours or three hours, more than likely that content then goes over to YouTube. So if you're integrated into that broadcast and you're integrated into that presentation, not only is your brand of products being promoted and used in many, many cases on Twitch, but now you're getting a secondary audience that's watching on YouTube after the fact. And obviously if something happens that's funny or comedic or controversial um, and it goes viral, now you're getting the additional added value of after the stream is done, it's being shared on social. So, you know, a lot of the content starts on Twitch and then kind of morphs onto other channels. But, you know, in the video game industry, it is an enormously popular and, and successful tool uh, for the way gamers kind of, you know, go get their content. So, like, when my son sees these videos on YouTube, they're probably coming from Twitch, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, they, well, they probably either started with Twitch or they started on Mixer. That's Microsoft's uh, form. You know, there's, there's a really popular influencer named Ninja right now. He's probably the most popular Fortnite player in the world. Mm -hmm. He actually just switched from Twitch to Mixer in a really controversial deal. I saw that. Um, but again, yeah. yeah, you can see his content on YouTube after the fact, though, right? So, yeah, there's a great chance. I mean, my son watched a lot of the YouTube videos as well. Um, they're all recordings. They're not live. But more than likely, they were live at some point. Some, sometimes they're live on YouTube as well. Um, but YouTube ends up being that end destination for a lot of content. So fascinating. So I know with our community of influencers, you know, a large majority of them are female. And it brings up the question that, you know, in doing some of the research that we've been doing, we see that millennial female gamers are on the rise. Are you focusing your efforts exclusively on Twitch to hit this demographic or are you hitting them at all? Yeah, it's, it's an extremely important demographic. Our research has told us that one in three gamers are female, about 33% of gamers are female. Um, another important fact that we saw is that of those one in three gamers are female, most of them actually share headsets with each other. So it's absolutely an opportunity for us to kind of market new headsets. We actually just released a new product about a month ago called the Recon Spark. Um, it's a female-oriented product. It's kind of got lavender colorways. It's more than just a color spin. It's just more of a personality-driven headset. Um, you know, very often when you see female audience, uh, your first reaction may be, hey, let's make a pink product and sell it. Obviously, it doesn't work that way. But we've done a lot of research into what, what female gamers want, the color pattern, some technology in their headset. So it's a big focus for us. And how are we reaching them? Well, we are reaching them on Twitch. We are reaching them on YouTube. But 
we actually just partnered with like a female oriented gamer festival on the west coast called supergirl last month which was kind of a gaming and music festival for three days that was primarily female focused if you look at our influencer roster i'd say we have about 10 female influencers right now so a very important growing community for us um you know once a year we show up at the GameStop manager show. And, and what it is is GameStop flies in all 5,000 managers from every GameStop in the United States. And you have a 20 minute session with, you know, about 200 of them. And you do that for about 20 times over two days. And you talk to them about your messaging and your products. Every year there's more and more women that are involved. And I would say about a third of the managers of all GameStop stores in the United States are female. So we recognize it. It's an extremely important uh, demographic, but at the end of the day, a gamer is a gamer. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, or what ethnicity you are. A gamer is a gamer, and you know that's the way we kind of market, you know, to gamers. So fascinating. I'm I'm all for uh, you know the pink headphones. If you develop those, uh, I'll I'll buy a pair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this: name an influencer in any vertical that you love to love and hate to admit you follow. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't even think my wife knows this, but Alyssa Milano. Alyssa <laughs> Milano is um, somebody that I won't use the word obsessed. I don't want to come off as creepy, but like <laughs> I've just been a fan of her, a fan of hers for like 30 years. And um, besides her success in acting, she's actually an avid sports fan. She's a huge baseball fan. She's come out with a line of clothing that's female oriented for sports. Um, she's a little bit of an activist on, on social, talks a little bit about political activities. Um, she's just kind of a fascinating person to follow. I mean, she probably has two or three million followers on Twitter, um, posts quite often. Um, so I, I've just been kind of drawn to her. I think she's a really popular celebrity that's been around for a long, long time. You know, some people remember her way back from Who's the Boss. Some people remember her from, I don't remember the name of the witch show that she was on for many years, right? Um, but, um, you know, I, I just someone I've been, you know, for whatever reason, fascinated with for many years. That's very interesting. I didn't know all that about her, but I'm going to look it up after we get off the call. Um, very interesting. And then my, you know, another curiosity is if you were an influencer, what would your handle be? I think it, I would go with either A Train or A Money. Um, and if it was A Money, it would be A and the dollar sign, right? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be kind of a set out, mo spelled out. Most influencers today have kind of weird characters or emojis in their names. So um, it'd be one of those, like I said, if it was A Money, it'd be A dollar sign. And I probably have to think of some good hook after that, right? Um, but probably something like that. I like them. I like it. So what's next for Turtle Beach? Like, obviously, we're heading into, believe it or not, like yep. this busy season for you. What's next and on the horizon? So, you know, we've been primarily a console gaming company for the last, you know, seven, eight years or so. When I say console, it's Xbox and PlayStation. We've dabbled a little bit in PC, but we just acquired a really successful German-based German PC company called Rocket. Um, they primarily produce keyboards and mice. They also do headsets, but their focus has been on keyboards and mice. PC gaming is a really growing segment. You know, it was up 80% last year. The U.S. is probably primarily console focused, but there's certain countries in Europe and certainly in Asia that are very PC dominated. Uh, and with PC gaming, you need keyboards, you need a headset, and you need a, a mouse versus a console, you just need a headset. So really a big push in the PC gaming, uh, integrating our purchase of Rocket, um, taking advantage of the fact that now we can offer customers more than just a headset. So for customers, a PC gamer, we can sell you a headset, a keyboard, a mouse, uh, a mouse pad, 
the whole kind of suite of, of products together. That's that's great. Are they going to be rebranded as Turtle Beach or it's going to be under Rocket? It's, it's a great question. Um, it's a question I'm actually asked every single day. Um, I, you know, personally, I've gone back and forth on the fence on both sides of the fence. We're actually in the middle of a brand study right now. We've hired a third-party agency who is doing a deep dive using consumer research, key internal stakeholder interviews, and they're actually set sometime later next month to prevent, present their final findings to us. So I suspect at some point later this year, we'll have a, a clear direction. Uh, and then at some point in 2020, consumers will kind of be able to see, um, you know, that kind of brand direction. So um, there are a lot of positives for keeping both brands. We've seen a lot of mergers and acquisitions keep both brands. And on the flip side, we've also seen, you know, a lot of mergers and acquisitions, you know, phase out the smaller brand and keep the larger brand. So um, we're in the process of doing that right now. Well, it sounds like a lot of work, but very exciting. Um, so best of luck with that. And just want to thank you for taking the time to be on Beyond the Box today um, and for all your insightful you know, help here. I appreciate it. Yeah, this, this was great. Um, you know, I love kind of talking about our industry, talking about our products. And it's, it's an exciting time once you kind of go back to school and you turn the corner to the last four months of the year, it gets really exciting. That's where traditionally the big games still come out. And that's really when gamers get excited, like the big new hero franchises, really starting in August with the sports franchises, all the hockey, the basketball, the soccer franchises usually typically release in August. And then it's like a string of, you know, all the popular games from Call of Duty to Battlefield, um, you know, to Halo to any of the popular titles in any given year. So it's always an exciting, exciting time of year. Yeah, it definitely is. And I might have to come to you for a private tutorial on all this soon. So, um, <laughs> but thanks again. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be on the lookout for more from you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed spending time with you. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Beyond the Box, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Beyond the Box is brought to you by Babblebox with your host, Sherry Langberg. Visit podcast.babblebox.com for more episodes and influencer marketing secrets.